millions of people groups around the world that have yet to hear the gospel. That's right, they've never even heard the name of Jesus mentioned. They're living in a darkness and don't know anything about the hope and love and the finished work we have in Christ Jesus. But it doesn't have to be that way. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 tells us, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Today, Pastor Banks starts a series that will help us reach these people groups and change their lives forever. All it takes is a willingness to learn and get started. So let's go as he shows us how easy it is to make a difference in the world through Missions Doable. Glory to God. Am I on? <clears throat> I think I am, but uh, praise God. Testing, testing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm on. Praise God. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Go Church. Amen. Uh, to those of you here in the sanctuary, we welcome you. We thank God for you this morning. And to those of you joining us online, you are welcome as well. And we are praying for the day when we see you come through these doors so we can fellowship together in Jesus' name. I pray that something that God is going to say today will be a blessing to you to establish you so that you can continue to flourish in the courts of the Lord our God. As it is usual, our vision here is building a Jesus community and serving the world. Praise God. Amen. Okay, I'm getting instructions here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. So this morning, <clears throat> I'm going to continue the message I started last week, Missions Doable. Uh, but this installment is the remaining, the task remaining. Missions Doable, the task remaining. And uh, we are going to have uh, a few video presentations just to prepare you. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know if you brought your popcorn and Coke along with you. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so let's dive into what? Praise God. And so, Father, I want to thank you right now for uh, the powerful worship service we just had. We honor you as we point us and direct us back to you, the sweet, loving Jesus. We thank you as we focus on your promises, which are yes and amen. We embrace every one of those promises. We thank you for them. And we honor your name this morning that we stand on this side of glory working together with you, or rather you working in and through us to bring your name to every nation, every people, every tribe on the face of this earth as you empower us. And so, Father God, thank you. And we honor you now in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, let me begin from verse 26. Thank you very much. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. That's the only way you become a child of God. Not through your performance, not through self-effort, not through your prayers or your fasting or any other thing, even though those things are good. It's good to fast and it's good to pray. 
but you only become the son of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 27, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now, verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Verse 29 is my emphasis verse. And as a result of everything that's been said in verse 26, 27, and 28, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Now, you don't have to be born in Jerusalem or Tel Aviv. If you are in Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. What's the consequence of that? And here's according to the promise. What does it mean to be a heir? A heir is a person inheriting and continuing the legacy of a predecessor. And the Bible tells me and you that if you are in Christ, you are Abraham's seed and you become heir according to the promise. Again, that word here means a person inheriting and continuing the legacy of a predecessor. No, so let me read that one more time, verse 29. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What promise? If I'm going to be an heir, if I'm going to inherit and continue on a, a legacy that was given before time, I need to know what the promise is. So what is this promise God is talking about? Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. I'm, I'm sorry. Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. Everyone in this room who is a Christian or everyone watching online who is a believer, you are a heir according to the promise. What promise? Let me remind you what the promises are. Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. God made seven statements of promise to Abraham that you and I have inherited. Seven statements of promises. Let me read them very quickly, and then I'm going to make us all say it together. Genesis 12, 2. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You shall be a blessing. Verse 3. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And lastly, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Seven statements of promises. Now, please, let's say, I'm going to call him out, and let me know if you agree with that, if you, if you are receiving that promise for yourself. Are you hearing me? This is going to be like a classroom. I'm going to call out each one of these seven statements of promises. And you tell me by responding, if you accept them as a promise to you. Number one promise, I will make you a great nation. Thank you. I will bless you. Ah, I will make your name great. You shall be a blessing. God says, I will bless those who bless you. Ah, all of you guys have been to Mountain of Fire. You will like this next one. I will curse you, curse whoever curses you. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. 
Lastly, in you, all the families or nations of the earth shall be blessed. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Very good. You all passed. A plus. You're, you're going to have that. Amen. <laughs> no, seriously. Now, let me read a scripture in Revelation chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, to help us to understand that what God promised actually came to pass. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. That's where we got the harp and bowl services from. Verse 9. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us, past tense, to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. So from this scripture, we know the end is certain. Amen. From this scripture, we are assured that indeed what God promised to Abraham, that through him all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. From this scripture, we know for a certainty the outcome in, the, in that it came to pass. So the, 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 the issue now is, are you and I going to be a part of it coming to pass? Let me give us a practical definition of what missions is. Practical definition. It is the non-negotiable and binding responsibility of all those who receive the benefits of Abraham's covenant with God to share those same blessings with the families or nations of the earth. Yes, I will say it again. Let me say it again. Yeah, it's true. Look at how it started. The non-negotiable. You can't negotiate yourself out of it. The non-negotiable and binding responsibility of all of those who receive the benefits of God's covenant with Abraham that we just read in Genesis 12, 2 and 3. To share those same benefits with all the families or nations of the earth. In other words, we read these seven statements. Notice, it was not a multiple choice. It was not a smorgasbord. It was not a buffet. It's not like, okay, I like, I will bless you. You shall be a blessing. Oh, I don't like this one. No, it was all together. It was a composite blessing where God named, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. You shall be a blessing. You, I'll bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. In you, all the families, our nations of the earth shall be. You can't eliminate any of them. Do you understand what I'm saying to us this morning? As long as I was talking, you are blessed. You are happy. <laughs> now I'm talking responsibility. You are looking at me like a new, like a girl looking at a new, new gate. That's the bottom line of all the blessings. God empowered you with those blessings so you can do the bottom line. 
He's not going to ask you and I to do anything of which he's not prepared us or equipped us. That's the kind of God he is. So he keeps you and I with blessings. Blessings you didn't ask for. So that you can do what he is asking for. Now, don't go to these scriptures. I'm going to go quote them because I need to go because of time. My time clock uh, keepers, they already give me signals with their eyeballs. I can see the eyeballs from here. In Genesis 26 verse 4, the same promise God made to Abraham. He repeated to Abraham's son Isaac. This time, instead of saying, in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed, he said, in you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. In Matthew 24 verse 14, Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. The end is not coming yet, because we have nations to reach. Then in Matthew 28 and 19, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. So the point I'm trying to establish is, what God said to Abraham in Genesis 12, 3, about in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed, in later scriptures, the families of the earth were changed to the nations of the earth. One and the same. Now, the question is, what is a nation? What is a nation? A nation, biblically, is not a country. It's important we understand that. When God is talking nations, he's not talking about country. USA, Australia, Canada, uh, Ghana, Cameroon, Nigeria, Sierra Leone. No. When God is talking nations, he's talking about a race of people of the same habit, of the same language, and of the same culture. A tribe, especially a non-Jewish one. Huge. And I'm going to go into some ex examples in a minute. Now, it is instructive to know that at one time in the past, the whole earth was one. No racial division, no language division, no cultural division. The whole earth at one point was one. We see this given in Genesis chapter, chapter 10, verse 32. Genesis 10, 32. Hallelujah, glory to God. These were the families of the sons of Noah, according to their generations in their nations. From these, the nations were divided on the earth after the flood. Now look at Genesis 11 verse 1. Now, the whole earth had what? One language and one speech. Man, I wish I lived in that time. It would have been a lot easier to preach the gospel and to reach the world. One language, one speech. That's the way it used to be. But that's not the way it is now. Amen? So now, let me go to the first movie, slide five. Watch this. Coming on, coming on. Three hundred million years ago, there was no Africa, Asia, Americas, or Europe. Just one big supercontinent. 
Pangea. And today, there is still a force connecting those divided by distance. Reversing millions of years of rifting. Making far feel close. Bringing there to here. Turkish Airlines. Coke down now, let's go back to the message. <laughs> when I saw that, I said, wow, this guy's got it. Very powerful. That commercial was shown in the last NFL Super Bowl. Now, they got one thing right, but they didn't get the other part right. They got a part right where it says, several years ago, the whole world was one supercontinent. That's true. But what I disagree with is that Turkish Airlines is the one that's going to get it all connected. <laughs> we are the ones, the tools, the instruments of God, by God, through God, to connect the continents back together in Jesus' name. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, go to slide number six for me. The world has now become like a waffle. Yeah, not pancakes. You see, because when you put syrup on pancakes, what happens? It just flows naturally. The syrup on pancakes just flows all through the pancake when you pour syrup on a pancake. But if you do the same thing on a waffle, what happens? It's segmented. It's segmented. So the point we're making here is, like syrup on a waffle, the gospel flows until it encounters ethnic boundaries. Like syrup on pancake, the gospel of Jesus Christ flows until it encounters ethnic boundaries. Take, for instance, this United States of America. You look at the USA, you think it's one nation? No, it is one country, but many nations. You have the Latino nation, of which if you don't like tacos, you will not feel good in the company. Amen? You have the African-American nation. You have the Italian nation. You have the Jewish nation. And each one of these subsets of people have different culture. They have different things that move them. And if you don't understand that, you'll be preaching and no, you have no effect whatsoever. Now, let's go to the next slide to make this point very well. Slide seven. The Bible says make the separate foundations. I have on the, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the PowerPoint, Nigeria. Nigeria. Many of you know Nigeria. What are you, what are you clapping about? <laughs> you name more than prophecy. <laughs> Look at Nigeria. One country, but five 141 nations. To help you understand the magnitude and the significance of the task that remains. Now, in slides eight and nine, I want to show us the global summary of where we are. In every game, in every sport, especially if you came late, if you turn on your TV late, on late, the first thing you want to see is how much time we have left. What's the score? Where are we now? How far in the game are we? 
If you are with me and Pastor Nee, uh, two or three Super Bowls ago, we are watching uh, Atlanta Falcons and Tom Brady, uh, and we are looking, oh man, how much time, how much more time left? Um, but every minute, we saw those guys keep on scoring, keep on scoring. So, so it doesn't matter how late in the ball game it is, you better wait for the final score. So by looking at this summary, the global summary, worldwide, there are 17,439 people groups, groups that make a nation. Remember, it's not countries, nations. 17,439. Among those 17,000 plus, we are yet to reach 7,419. So first of all, we appreciate that a lot of work has been done. I want to, I want to put that on the table. We need to appreciate that a lot of work has been done. Because out of 17,432, by the way, I'm sorry, I, I said it wrong the first time, we only have 7,410 left. So give ourselves a hand clap. Yeah, let's clap for the body of Christ. We're fried, we're doing something. We're not sitting on our couch. So we have 7,410 to go. Give me the next slide, slide nine. To make this more realistic, for you to understand really what we're talking about here, Four out of every 10 people you see are on rich people group. They represent on rich people group. Four out of every 10. All right. Now, where are these on rich people? Where are they suited? Where are they today? Slide number 10 will show us. And it's not so clear if you're looking from where I am, but from here I can see a little better. And really, this slide is showing us what we call the 1040 window. 1040 window. Now, it's not a literal physical window. It's an imaginary window that missiologists have come together to agree on. What's 1040? 1040 means it's 10 degrees north latitude of the equation of the equator, 10 degrees and 40 degrees north of uh, latitude of the equation and it's a window, okay? It cuts across northern West Africa, all the way to Asia and back, and it becomes an imaginary window. It is in this window that most of the unreached people groups of the face of the earth are now residing. It is not a coincidence that the poorest of the poor also live in this window. It is not a coincidence that the darkest of the dark phenomenons are also happening in this window. We know why. Because wherever you have the absence of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are always going to have darkness, you are always going to have poverty. Amen? So the 1040 window is where most of these people who we're trying to reach, that's where most of them are now. So give me slide 11. Is that slide 11 that I have there now? Okay, slide 11. Basically just tells us, which countries that we know of today are actually found within this 1040 window? India has over 2,000 nations that are not reached. Pakistan, over 820 nations within it that are not reached. China, 442. Bangladesh, 276. Nepal, 266. Some, did, did, you see some, did you see a commonality among those nations I just mentioned? All of them are in Asia. All of them. 
And of course, we cannot list all of them. There's Thailand, there's Myanmar, there's Laos, there's Vietnam, on and on and on and on. All of them are in Southeast Asia. Thank God from this ministry, I know in March next year, there's a team going out to Nepal. Some of us have been ministering in Southeast Asia for a while. In fact, let's go to the next slide so I can show that to you. Slide number 12. That's us right there in, I believe that's Myanmar. This is the reason we focus ministry in that area. People ask me all the time, oh, Pastor Bank, you were born in Nigeria. Uh, okay, so what are you doing about your homeland? Homeland. Are you kidding me? Read Revelation chapter 5. Out of every people, out of every tongue, out of every tribe, out of every nation. Now, I thank God for my ancestry, and we still do minister there, by the way. We do. We have ministry going on in West Africa, as I speak, in Syria alone, in Ghana, in Nigeria. But if I'm thinking like Jesus, if I'm allowing this mind to be in me, which was also in Christ Jesus, that means I must possess his feelings, his thoughts, and his purposes. And as far as Jesus is concerned, he's saying, who will bring this man and woman home to me? Who? If, if not us, who? If not now, when? So this is the reason. Give me the next slide. This is the reason for which I keep on going over and over and over and over to Asia. Because this is where the work is. Thank God for Africa. Thank God for North America. Thank God for all these other places. Their problem in Africa is not that they've not heard. They have heard. They're just simply unbelievers. There's a clear distinction between unbelievers and unreached. Unreach means they have never yet heard. Who will tell them? Who will tell them? Are you hearing me this morning? Yes. Now, I'm almost done for today. Actually, this is wonderful. Go to Romans chapter 15, verses 20 and 21. This is Paul speaking. And so I've made it my aim, Paul says, to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named. Come on, Paul. Lest I should build on another man's foundation. Verse 21. But as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see. Glory to God. And those who have not heard shall understand. That is the incredible privilege that you and I have to carry this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. The Christ in me, the hope of glory. This is a fact. When we first went to Thailand, the area in Thailand where we were ministering, we were the first Kushites they ever seen carrying the gospel. That's a fact. We were. We were. And God has helped us to establish a solid ministry base there from which we continue to propagate this message and the gospel. Amen. Yeah, we are global in our focus, but we have to be laser focused as to regards to what Jesus wants to see happen. Amen. What right has anyone to hear the gospel 10, 15, 20 times and others have not heard it one time? What's right? Amen? Amen. Closing thoughts. On this segment, let me go to Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. Genesis 1, 
27, 28. I want to leave you with two closing thoughts. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. It's amazing to me to know that before we were ever given a task, before God ever asked us to reach the world or the nations for him, before we were ever given a task, he first gave us an identity. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. I need to say that again. Maybe, maybe just for myself. Let me just say it to myself again. Before he ever gave us a task, we were first given an identity. Why is this important? Let's go back to that scripture, verse 27. So God created man, what? In his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. At this point, God was not telling him to do anything. What did God do? Identity. I'm going to give you my identity. I'm going to create you my own image and likeness. Let me give you, what, what, what does that do? Identity, recognizing who you are, is the security of the status of the adopted child of God. Re recognizing that I'm a child of God brings with it a security, a sense of security that I'm adopted, I'm God's child, regardless of my performance. Why is this important? Knowing that I know that I know that I'm a child of God. The sense of security that brings. Why is that important? It is important because people do their best under the circumstances of security without any prompting, without any cajoling, when a man or a woman comes under the security of his identity as a child of God, nobody has to cajole you. All of a sudden, that sense of security makes you your best entrepreneur, your best artist, your best parent, your best leader, because all the while you are doing these things, you are not doing them for doing sake as a performance thing, you are doing them because of the basis of your identity. Let me put it a different way. Working to earn someone's favor is exhausting. Ah, those of you that are in relationships, you try to please your husband or your wife, and you have a list of to do. If I do this, she'll be happy. If I do this, he'll be happy. And you do it and say, ah, what is it? What, what have we done? You do the thing and they, they come home and say, what, what, what have we done? They don't appreciate it, they don't like it. You say, man, okay, I'll up the ante. Tomorrow I'll do more. You do more tomorrow and they come back. They say, what, what, what's this nonsense? What, what, what are you doing? After a while, you are exhausted. Because what? You are trying to meet man's approval. And the more you do, the higher the bar is raised. And after a while, you are exhausted. You stop doing so doing anything to earn someone's favor is exhausting. But 
Working in response to unconditional love is intoxicating. Absolutely. It's intoxicating. When you are doing it as a result of unconditional love you've received, my God, they can't, they, they can't ask you to do enough. You just keep on doing it and doing it. Why? Because now you're not trying to perform to please anyone. You are trying, you are, you, are, you are reciprocating, being grateful for what you already received. This is the point I'm making in this thought. If you find yourself lacking in the things you believe God is asking you to do, if you find yourself lacking or coming short because you are not meeting the standard or you are not doing the things you know God is asking you to do, maybe the answer or the solution is not trying to do more. Maybe the answer is to back up and say, wait a minute. Have I received the empowerment for what I'm trying to do? And then that leads to another question. If I have not received the empowerment, then I need to ask another question. Am I functioning out of my identity or God's identity? Because if you go back to the scripture we just read, three things is clear in Genesis 1, 27 and 28. Let's go back there, please. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created identity. That's the identity. That's number one. That's where it starts. And we're going to be teaching on identity in a few, in a few weeks or months. It's a long teaching. It's, it's, we have to go. Because people, do, people have a very broad idea of what this means. But this is the, this is the beginning. That's, that's where it starts. Now, look at verse 28. After the identity is settled, what did God do? He blessed. So if I'm not getting blessed, if the blessing is not coming down in manifestation to me, maybe it's not any more fasting and prayer I need. Maybe I need a reorientation of my paradigm, of, uh, paradigm shift. Maybe I need to go back. Am I operating in God's identity? Because what he blesses is his identity you carry. But if you're not carrying that identity, if you're not conscious of who you are, because he blessed them, when? After he gave them an ID. Huge. Three things. Number one, the identity. And number two, the blessing. The blessing is always found in the identity. And then lastly, the mission. Be fruitful. Multiply. It will never tell you to be fruitful unless you, you first identify you. Because think about it. If you don't carry the ID, what is your fruitfulness going to produce? Sons of the law. That's not what he's looking for. He's not looking for any more children of darkness. So the first and starting point is the identity. Who are you? Whose are you? Are you conscious of that fact every day, day in and day out, when things are good, when things are bad? Do you recognize, acknowledge that I'm a child of God? That's where it starts. Because he's trying to reproduce more children of God, not just any children. So it starts with identity. He blesses the identity. And through the blessed identity, you can, you can reproduce for him. You can be fruitful. That's number one thought. Last, and not the least, second thought. First Samuel chapter 30. First Samuel chapter 30. So verse 9. Thank you. This is the story of David at Ziglag. 
So David went, he and his 600 men who were with him and came to Brook Bessor, where those stayed who were left behind. You understand? But David pursued, he and 400 men, watch this, for 200 stayed behind who were so weary they could not cross the Brook Bessor. The point here is, David is pursuing those who have come to plunder him and his family and his troops at Ziklag. When they were about to pursue, 200 of the 600 men were tired and could not go. And David said, no problem, you guys stay behind. So 400 pursued. Let's pick up from verse 18. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Verse 20, then David took all the flocks and herds they had driven before those other livestock and said, this is David's spoil. Verse 21, now David came to the 200 men who had been so weary that they could not follow David whom they also had made to stay at the brook Bessel. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. Verse 22, then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except for every man's wife and children that they may lead them away and depart. But David said, my brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered us, or rather, or rather, and delivered into our hand the troop that came against us. For who will heal you in this matter? Now this, this is the final punch. But as his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies. They shall share alike. Verse 25. So it was. From that day forward, it's still going forward till now. He made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. What's the point I'm making? Yes, I went to Myanmar. Yes, some of us went to Thailand. Yes, some of us went to South Sudan. Yes, some of us went to Nepal. Yes, some of us went to Syria alone. Yes, some of us went to Ghana. Yes, some of, some of, some of us went to so many different places. But you need to know in this house that as those that go are rewarded, those who remain, who are part of this Jesus community, to serve the world, our reward is the same. You need to understand that. I need you to know that you are playing a very important and significant role so that as the reward for those who go, there is also a reward for those who stay behind, who strengthens the work, who prays for those that go, who also gives their financial support so that the going can continue. You need to know that the blessing of going is the same as the blessings for those who remain to support those that go. You are a part 
of the covenant. You are a part of the heirs of the covenant that God cut with Abraham. And we know that God's promises are yes and amen. So those who go receive a reward, and those who remain to pray, to give, to support, to encourage, also receive a reward. And by God's grace, you shall in no way lose your reward in Jesus' name. God bless you. Now, get your popcorn out and some coke for a short video. Let's go. Fred Loye, and I have my beautiful and gorgeous wife here with me. For last day, I did be Loye. Uh, I am members here at Global Artery Church for over 24 years. This is a new venture of faith as a couple. Uh, throughout the years that we've grown here, we've worked in the children ministry, myself and my wife. I've uh, worked in uh, the uh, uh, DC and I've been in other areas of LOM. And in fact, I was one of the people that developed the program for LOM. And I have participated in going and picking, you know, the food in Peachtree City and support that for a couple of years. And uh, the mission became another growth for us. I never envisioned that I will ever participate in mission, but sometimes God works in His own ways. So, is this your first time on a mission trip? Uh, this is not my first time on mission trip. I've been. This will be my third mission trip. I've been to Thailand two times, but I felt so uncomfortable going to missions without my wife going with me. Uh, I think. For me to accomplish my mission's dream and what God wants to do in me through missions, it has to be a vision that the two of us needs to catch so that we can speak the same language and understand each other. Because whatever I see on the mission field, there's no way I can bring the news to my wife at home for her to relate to it. So it became a challenge for me. It's not that my wife doesn't want to go to nations, it's because of her time at work and the responsibility that she usually has during those times. So what I did was I started praying for her that God would make way for her, that the next time we will go on the mission trip, that the opportunity and the time will come for her to witness the things on the field. So to God be the glory, Sri Lanka came and she was, she was available to go with us and I will pass it to her, her experience during that mission trip. You know, I just give God the glory for this opportunity to be able to go to Sri Lanka. Before, every time they mention the word uh, mission trip, my belief is why do we have to go outside the country to do missions? We can do local missions. We need more people in the church. We can do all over the United States, even the state of Georgia, we need to grow this church. I believe that while you go on a mission trip to Asia, these people don't look like us. We'll never invite them to come to our church. What can we do in uh, Decatur? What can we do in Atlanta? We could do it here. But you know what? Going to, when my husband received that inspiration, 
He kept singing into my ears every day when he prayed, Sri Lanka, he dreamed, Sri Lanka. I said, okay, we need to pray about this. So we started to pray, and I know he's been working on it for years. We were supposed to go in 2020 with our Pastor Mike in New Jersey. We bought our ticket and everything. Unfortunately, COVID hit, and the borders, the whole world shut down. But you know what? God redeemed us so that we can be a blessing to his kingdom. We just can't sit in the pulpit day, every day, every Sunday, just receive it. And I pray that God will use me, use us for his kingdom. And by me going to Sri Lanka really, really opened my eyes about mission. And I realized we are all egalitarian before God. It's not about black or white. Jesus' community is not one race. Jesus' community is diverse. And that's the reason why, whatever God places you, you are representing the, the Jesus, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And that really, that opportunity for me to go to Sri Lanka has really changed my life forever. So how has your life been richer as it's, a result it's richer of Mm -hmm. In the sense that when, before I, you know, I read a lot about Sri Lanka, what's going on, but I did not know that even though it's only less than 1% or whatever that percentage, which is very minute in Sri Lanka, when I actually got to Sri Lanka and I see all these shrines with this golden image, every block, for me, there is no hope in that life that they see. So by me going there, and I can see the people, the very first day that we actually had the, the preaching and the fellowship with Pastor Bang, and I can see how hungry these people were. The very first message that they received, they were basically confused about their belief about Christ and what they actually experienced as a result of Pastor Bang's ministry which I witness. The freedom that we have here, <laughs> that we take for granted, these people don't even have that freedom, and yet, they just gave themselves up to be able to hear the word of God. And that to me is incredible. What did you love most about the people in, in, in your interaction with the people there? You know, one thing that I understand is 